I'm Taylor. I'm Kat. And welcome to Square Mile of Murder. Episode 50! Holy Woo! crap. <laughs> Almost a year. How the fuck did that happen? <laughs> no, I don't know. I think the pandemic probably helped. <laughs> but it's possible. It's possible, yeah. Um, no, it's super cool. And yeah, we're we're 50. It's our what diamond anniversary <laughs> no no golden Gold. diamond is 60, 60 i think well let's just say next month is our one year podiversary yes it is paper paper is one year so yes yes so yeah middle so, of february so send us paper money yes <laughs> Although in the UK it's all made of plastic, so it's not it doesn't really count, does it? Yeah, but there isn't a I don't think there's a plastic. No. Yeah. There's no like refined petroleum anniversary. <laughs> I don't think so. Bummer. That's a bummer. No, uh fifty episodes is super cool. Um thank you guys for listening. Uh, we're assuming people are listening you might not be this could just I be mean, out in the something's void something's working <laughs> so, someone at least like well my mother said she was catching up this weekend so at least she's listening <laughs> it's one person and, and your your dog's listening yes uh, uh, rigby the pod dog was listening to us the other day so so what more could you ask for really i know um so you know if you if you've been with us for a while, you might have noticed that every 10 episodes we were covering one of uh, Glasgow's Square Mile murders, which obviously we took our name from, um, but we've done them all. They only got us to 40, unfortunately. Yeah. It was only four. <laughs> yeah, there's only four. Um, so we decided that uh, for episode 50... We would cover another infamous Scottish case that took place not too far from Glasgow, um, and I do. Th I think that for the, every ten episodes, we'll do a Scottish case. Yeah, going forward as well. So, like next uh, episode sixty is going to be an Edinburgh-based case, and then we haven't picked seventy yet. But no, we don't think too far ahead no. in the future. <laughs> no, not that far. That's too far. Um, so, yeah, look out for those. Um, so, yeah, this one takes place outside of Glasgow. Uh, but to start this one, we actually have to go back to Cat's Neck of the Woods in northeast England uh, because it was there that police thought they'd caught uh, a serial killer in the making. Yeah. In May 1987, a gamekeeper in the Clay Bank area of North Yorkshire Moors National Park, near Stokesley, it's kind of the nearest town. I have trouble describing this because to me it's like, oh, it's over there and it's over there and yeah. it's around the corner and it's, you know, I can be in these places in like 20, you know, 30 minutes. Take a left at the bank and go past the house that used to be yellow and all that yeah, sort of thing. that kind of thing, so... Yeah, Stokesley is the nearest town to where this to uh to Clearbank. So it's uh in this area that a gamekeeper discovered the mutilated body of a man. 
So the man's throat had been cut and there had been attempts to cut off his limbs. Oh yeah, no eating during this episode. Yeah. Should have said that 30 seconds ago. Yeah. Uh, he was later identified as 28-year-old barman Barry Oldham. He was from Bolton, which is in northwest Yorkshire. No, it isn't. It's in northwest England. <laughs> so Barry Oldham was born in Bolton in 1958. He'd worked as a sales rep for a few years in the late 19, uh, in the early 1980s. But then he joined a religious sect called The Way and lived uh, in their commune, which is near Manchester. So this is an American-based sect. I've heard of it. I had never heard of it till I was uh, looking into this case. Um, they have or had a commune near Manchester. There you go. After leaving the sect, Barry reportedly struggled to settle and moved around quite a bit. Uh, he worked in bars and casinos, lived in Birmingham, Blackpool, Dublin and Amsterdam, then eventually travelled to Aberdeen. But once again, he couldn't settle, so he took the bus from Aberdeen down to Newcastle, which is in northeast England. He left his belongings at the train station and went out to party, and eventually found himself at Rock Shots, which is a gay club in the city. It now has a new name that I can't remember, but it was kind of an infamous gay club in Newcastle. A month after Barry's body was discovered, 26-year-old student William Beggs was arrested for his murder. Beggs was originally from Northern Ireland, but was living in the Teesside town of Middlesbrough and studying at Teesside Polytechnic, which is now known as Teesside University. Uh, the pair had met at Rock Shots in Newcastle, which is about an hour north of Teesside, and Beggs had brought him home to Middlesbrough with him. And hours later, Barry was dead. According to Teesside Live, William Beggs claimed self-defense, saying that he had killed Barry Oldham in self-defense because Barry had tried to initiate sex. Gotta love a gay panic defense. Do you know what really baffles me is that in places it's still a legitimate defense. Oh yeah, I know. That drives me nuts. Um, maybe maybe that's a, a bonus episode for us. I don't think I can do that. It gets so angry. <laughs> um, but Beggs allegedly had a history of homophobic attacks on gay men, despite the fact that he was also gay. Go figure. That never happens, right? Mm. Just look at all your Republican senators. I mean, what? No? Never mind. Um, so... Former partners have since claimed that he would turn violent or abusive after sex, and his fellow students said that he was particularly violent and abusive when he drank, especially towards gay men. Uh, the jury found him guilty, and he was jailed for life at Teesside Crown Court, and that that should have been the end, with, end of it, right? Like we should be saying, and, and there he stayed, and he's still there today. That'd be a very short episode. Yeah. That's not what happened. So less than two years after he was convicted, Beggs was back on the streets of Teesside because his conviction was overturned on appeal. Beggs's appeal lawyer managed to successfully argue that the jury should not have been told about Beggs's previous alleged attacks on gay men. And these alleged attacks included razor attacks on men he met, as well as horrific beatings. 
Uh, former neighbors were shocked and horrified by Beggs's release uh, because police had assured them that he would not be released anytime soon. At his trial for the murder of Barry Oldman, Oldham, uh, Beggs was also convicted for two separate charges of wounding and sentenced to four months for each of these attacks. But we're not entirely sure if these attacks were like as part of the of the murder of Barry Oldham or if it was attacks on someone else. Because mm-hmm. that's what confuses me about the appeal. Like there was two convictions for attacks. I remember, I suppose all the others were all alleged. Yeah, yeah. So no, there's not a lot of information about uh, this first murder. Because, spoiler alert, it gets worse. <laughs> It's not the last. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we're not sure if, like, how this worked. Yeah. Basically, we're not sure who these woundings were. Like, who was wounded in these attacks. Uh-huh. Following his release, William Beggs didn't keep his head down for long. And in 1991, he was arrested again. By now, Beggs had moved to Ayrshire, just south of Glasgow, and he met a man in a gay club in Glasgow. So we don't know a whole lot about this incident, but at some point, uh, Beggs took this man back to his home in Kilmarnock, which is in Ayrshire, about half an hour south of Glasgow. Yeah. Well, on the train anyway. Yeah. Um. And he took this guy home and at some point attacked him with a razor, slashing him in the leg. And the man had to jump out of a window to escape. Begs. So he didn't even expect to survive, but he knew he had to try and escape mm-hmm. any way he could. Begs was sentenced to six years for this attack, but was released after just three. And he once again returned to Kilmarnock in 1994. Cool. Beggs settled in Kilmarnock, and his neighbors tried to have him evicted, but he had purchased his council house from the council, so he couldn't be evicted. Uh, And he retaliated by installing security cameras so that he could monitor the entire street. Yeah, it was a thing, especially in the 80s and early 90s, for people to buy their council houses from the council. Yeah. Um, which was part of the whole like Thatcherite, upward mobility, all of that sort of thing. In a way, good, because people who previously wouldn't be able to buy homes were able, were able to. to. On the other hand, incredibly shit, because we now have a massive shortage of of state housing. Yeah. Uh, public housing, so pros and cons. Yeah. After this, it seemed like Beggs did keep to himself for a few years and according to the guardian by 1999 he was studying for his phd at paisley university just outside of glasgow um he was studying applying computing to higher education and he was lecturing at paisley and at de montfort university de montfort. in milton keynes uh which also I love that in 1999 we've got applying computing to higher education as a a, a valid field of study. Yeah. This is like such a throwback and I love it. Um, <laughs> so that's what he was doing. But in 1999, Beggs also went out hunting for his next victim. 
Also, can we just talk about driving from fucking Glasgow, well, Kilmarnock, to Milton Keynes to lecture? Well, even if you're not driving, that's still like a five or six hour train journey. Oh, wait. And that's nowadays on the high speed trains. It's Milton Keynes, not Newton Mearns? I no. I get that. Those... Montfort is, is Milton Keynes. Oh, and fuck. they have a campus in Leicester as well. Because my sister's friend went there. Yeah, Milton Keynes is in near London. That's bizarre. Why did he do that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know when I was at uni when I did my undergrad, we had lecturers who also worked at. So I did my undergrad at Sunderland, which is northeast England. So we had lecturers who were like elsewhere in the northeast and in Yorkshire and stuff. Yeah, but, but that's a big. Yeah, I always that's... I always get Milton Keynes and Newton Mearns confused, and I just assumed it was the closer one, <laughs> and it's not. Yeah. Um. So for anyone not in the Glasgow area, Newton Mearns is kind of a very posh suburb in southern Glasgow. Yes. And, you know, easily accessible by, by bus or, you know... Train. Train. and That is not five hours long. <laughs> yeah. So, there you go. This guy yeah. was spending a lot of time traveling. On December 4th, 1999, 18-year-old Tesco supermarket worker Barry Wallace was supposed to be going on a night out with friends in Kilmarnock. There'd been a bit of an office party in the afternoon... And then Barry and some of his colleagues were headed into town. Uh, Barry also met up with some of his friends after the kind of works do, and they headed into they headed to a nightclub. He was last seen by a Tesco colleague who had been who was being driven home by her father-in-law. She saw Barry staggering along the road, as you are at eighteen after <laughs> good night out. So they stopped, offered him a ride home, but he refused. He was adamant he wanted to carry on partying, and so the colleague and her father-in-law dropped him off in the town centre. Barry had a bit of a drunken fight with a friend in a taxi queue, but after throwing a few drunken punches, the friends kind of apologised, made up, you know, as you do when you're drunk. (laughs) Uh, Barry had told his parents that he won't be home until the next morning, which was Sunday, but when they still hadn't heard from him by Monday... His father reported him missing. Barry had left school at the age of 17 and was working at Tesco's uh, supermarket while he debated a career in the armed forces. Uh, According to the podcast True Crime Scotland, he was popular and well-liked with a good group of friends around him. He loved music and sports and sort of liked to think of himself as as a bit of a DJ. That's very 1999, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so searches and appeals were launched for any information on Barry Wallace, but nothing came of it. Ten days after Barry Wallace disappeared, a woman was walking her dog on the beach at Barassi on the west coast of Scotland, about eight miles from Kilmarnock, when her dog found a plastic bag. The woman could see through a tear in the bag that inside there was a human head. Ugh. Uh, that's not the discovery. It's always a dog walker, isn't it? Uh, Think about every true crime story. It's always a fucking dog walker. That's because they're the the first ones out in the morning, usually, right? Yep. Right. So, human head. 
Barry's father had to go through the horrible and heartbreaking process of identifying his son's severed head. Uh, and at the same time that this was happening, a team of medical examiners were trying to complete uh, the most gruesome of jigsaw puzzles. You see, on December 6th, so two days after Barry Wallace was last seen, police divers, who were on a routine training exercise in Loch Lomond, which is about half an hour north of Glasgow, discovered a bin liner containing a human arm and leg. So, at 22 miles long, five miles wide in some places, Loch Lomond is the biggest lake in the UK by surface area. At its deepest, it's 502 feet or 153 metres. Would not want to be on a training exercise in December. No. I'm not going to lie. That not in the fucking painful. water. I'm sorry, <laughs> but Loch Lomond in July, the water is fucking cold. <laughs> I've never been and jumped in the water in Loch Lomond, so I can tell you. Oh, well, I haven't jumped in for that particular reason. <laughs> <laughs> Did you just stick your just stick stepped your toe in. in? Stepped in, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a pretty big lake. Yeah. And it took police divers a month before they managed to recover all of the body parts, which then obviously turned out to be Barry Wallace. The southern point of Loch Lomond is about 40 miles north of Kilmarnock. So it's in the same region, but you have got Glasgow in between. Yeah. Um, so the discovery... Obviously, on this first day, it led to a much larger investigation of the lock. It took over a month before all the parts were found. And the case became known as the limbs in the lock case, which I think sounds horrendous. It's not great. There's a reason we haven't titled this episode Limbs in the Lock. Yeah. It's not nice. Uh, and let me say, the body parts would later be confirmed to be Barry Wallace. But initially... When they first found the body parts before the head was found in a different place. This wasn't linked at all to Barry Wallace's disappearance because police believed that this murder was something to do with like a, a gangland killing in Glasgow. So 20 years ago, Glasgow had a very, very high murder rate. Yeah. It was even 15 years ago, it was still the murder capital of Western Europe. Yep. There's been a lot of work done, a lot of education, a lot of like grassroots projects done to reduce knife crime mm -hmm. in Glasgow, um, which they are actually using that as kind of a blueprint for new schemes to tackle gang uh, knife crime in London. That's cool. Yeah, it was on. So there was a show, it might have been 2019. So it was uh, David Wilson, mm -hmm. very famous criminologist from... He's from Coatbridge, is he? From somewhere, somewhere near around, yeah. And anyway, he did this this program on Scottish crime, and he talked to a woman who worked for uh, Police Scotland, and her name has fallen out of my head. <laughs> and they came up; they basically developed this program. It's called No Knives, Better Lives. Mm -hmm. Karen McCluskey, 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 McCluskey. Something like that. 
um yeah and she was on this program and talked about how she was being essentially used as a consultant by the met police to tackle knife crime um but yeah so there was especially around this time there was a lot of gang violence a lot of knife crime in glasgow so to find a dismembered body in a lock one of the biggest locks biggest lakes in the uk and not that far outside glasgow, of the city yeah yeah you would be forgiven for not making that link immediately oh yeah but when barry's head was found on the beach the following week police were then able to link the two cases and eventually forensic proved that forensic tests proved that the body parts were barry's uh like we said before barry was popular and well liked he had no known enemies and nobody had seen him leave with anyone on that saturday night so police didn't really have anywhere to start to look for suspects um so instead, they put the details of Barry's murder into a national database to see if there were any murders with a similar M.O. Uh, and one of the matches they got was the 1987 murder of Barry Oldham. Uh, and then when the Scottish police looked into Barry Oldham's murder, they discovered that his murderer, William Beggs, had been released after serving just under two years and then they discovered that William Beggs lived in Kilmarnock, the same town as their victim, Barry Wallace. But conveniently for him, William Beggs was suddenly nowhere to be found. As well as working at the university and studying for his PhD, Beggs was also working as an IT technician at a call centre in Edinburgh. And on the Monday following Barry Wallace's disappearance, uh, William Beggs called in sick to work. The following day, he went back to work for a couple of hours, but left early, claiming he felt ill. Neighbours later said that they saw him rushing in and out of his home, filling his car with bags before speeding away as soon as possible. So later that day, so this is the Tuesday... Um, so this is a day after the body parts have been found at Loch Lomond... Beggs took a ferry from Troon to Belfast and stayed with relatives in Northern Ireland for a few days. And police believe that it was on this ferry trip that Beggs disposed of Barry Wallace's head and other incriminating evidence, you know, just throwing them overboard, hoping that they would never be seen again. Yeah. That is a very, actually, quite a very short ferry trip. Yeah. At its narrowest point between scotland and ireland is quite close i mean it's close enough that there's been talk for decades about building a bridge uh-huh. there's a shit ton of unexploded bombs in that area from world war Two, but you know minor details might cause some problems but it's fine so beggs only stayed in northern ireland for three days and on december 10th he returned to scotland uh, taking the same ferry route between belfast and troon the following day he returned to northern ireland but he only stayed there one night before returning the next day on December 12th. On December 13th, Beggs went back to work and tried to maintain a normal life for four days. Uh, On December 17th, Beggs was driving home from work when he heard on the radio that police were searching a house in Kilmarnock in relation to the murder of Barry Wallace. Now, his name was mentioned in the same radio report, although from what we can find, um, the report 
didn't explicitly state that the police were searching Beggs's house, just that they were searching a house and that they wanted to speak to Beggs in relation to Barry Wallace's murder. So, realizing that the net was closing in, Beggs took a slight detour on his way home, and instead of finishing the 65-mile drive from Edinburgh to Kilmarnock, Beggs headed almost 400 miles south to London. Slight detour? Just small, really. But this is a man that drives down to Milton Keynes That's regularly, true. so... So, it's like, you know. no, no big deal for him. Yeah. Beggs flew from Luton Airport, which is just north of London, to Jersey, which is one of the Channel Islands. This was an internal flight, mm-hmm. so Beggs would not have had to provide any ID. Because remember, this is pre-9-11. Airline security was very lax in comparison to what it is now. So, because of all this... Beggs was able to buy a ticket under a false name without anyone realising. So he bought this ticket in the name of William Frederick, which is actually his first name and his middle name. But, you know, neglected to add his surname to that. Mm-hmm. And then from Jersey, Beggs flew to France and eventually to the Netherlands, where he hid in Amsterdam. And of course, it is easy to travel within the EU or continental Europe because of open borders it doesn't mm. mean you won't get pulled over and get your passport checked which they do at random but but it is it is easier, easier to move yeah. around um so while Beggs was hopping around europe trying to stay under the radar police had been searching his house as they said on the radio <laughs> and the day after he fled scotland his name seemed to be on the front of every newspaper in scotland Everybody was looking for William Beggs, uh, and he had been dubbed the Gay Slayer and the Limbs in the Lock Killer. Uh, Police had made some interesting discoveries while they searched his house. They discovered that the house had been recently cleaned with bleach, and that some of the walls and ceilings had recently been repainted, uh, and some of the sections of carpet had been replaced. Uh, Among Beggs' possessions, police found carrier bags with the logo DFDS on it, and DFDS is a ferry company, which uh, Beggs had traveled with many times on trips to Amsterdam. And the carrier bags, which Barry Wallace's head had been wrapped in, also had the DFDS logo on them. Forensics also found drops of Barry Wallace's blood in Beggs' flat. On December 21st, police were granted an arrest warrant for William Beggs, but because he had left the country under the name William Frederick, police thought he was still somewhere in the UK, and they didn't realise he was already on the run. Mm-hmm. But police would only have to wait a week before he resurfaced, and Beggs walked into a police station in Amsterdam on December 28th with a lawyer and surrendered himself. And whilst... Everyone was happy that this monster who'd been preying on young men for almost two decades was finally in custody. There was now another problem. Everyone knew that extradition back to the UK was going to be a long, drawn-out process. So two days after handing himself into the Dutch police, Beggs said through a lawyer that he would be fighting extradition to the UK. And that was just the beginning of a year-long battle to get Beggs back to the UK to stand trial. 
So on January 14th, the Crown Office confirmed it had made a formal request to Dutch authorities to extradite, extradite Beggs back to the UK. But Beggs's extradition case wasn't heard in Amsterdam until the end of March. Uh, according to a timeline posted on Murderpedia on April 11th, 2000, Dutch authorities granted the extradition, but Beggs's team appealed against extradition later that month, which would go all the way to the Dutch Supreme Court. And the case wouldn't be heard at the Supreme Court until September, where the court ruled that Beggs should be extradited, but they also referred it to the Dutch justice minister. Um and in mid-November, the Justice Minister Bank Kortals, um, apologies, I'm sure that's wrong. Uh, I have uh, no idea. <laughs> so the Justice Minister upheld the Supreme Court's decision to extradite Beggs. But before he could be shipped back to Scotland, his legal team launched yet another challenge to the extradition, this time in the Dutch Civil Court, uh, they claim that the extensive media coverage of the case in the UK meant that Beggs was unlikely to receive a fair trial. But this last-ditch attempt didn't work, and on January 5th, 2001, 13 months after Barry Wallace's murder, the Dutch Court of Justice in The Hague upheld the previous court's decisions to extradite Beggs. Four days later, he was finally returned to the UK. On January 11th, Beggs appeared at Kilmarnock Sheriff's Court, charged with the murder, sexual assault and dismemberment of Barry Wallace. Beggs entered no plea and made no statement. On September 18th, the case finally went to trial. So this is what, 20 months later? Yeah. Wow. Beggs entered a plea of not guilty and claimed that when Barry Wallace was murdered, he was at a party. However, witnesses said that Beggs had made an appearance at said party, but that he only stayed for an hour or so and then he left, telling other partygoers that he had to drive back to Kilmarnock. So, the trial lasted 17 days, and at the end of it, Beggs was found guilty and sentenced to life with a minimum term of 20 years. Uh, after the trial, police released details to the public uh, that couldn't be released before trial. Uh, police believe that Beggs may have been responsible for many more murders, and they found the blood of 17 men in his home. Police uh, have so far found three unsolved murders of young men in Scotland, which match Beggs's MO, including a young man whose body was found on Largs Beach, which is only a few miles away uh, from Troon and Kilmarnock. Police Scotland have contacted cold case units across the UK and Europe to see if any of their cold cases match or bear similarities to the murders of Barry Wallace and Barry Oldham. And so far, there have been no more charges brought against William Beggs. After Beggs' conviction, Detective Chief Superintendent Tony Fitzgerald, who is the former head of North Yorkshire CID, said... When we caught Beggs all those years ago, we seriously thought we had caught a serial killer in the making. And so they had. Mm. Well, technically not serial killer. Serial killer is three. This is only two. Well, confirmed. confirmed. That's the... Convicted. Yeah. 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 But that is not the end of it. Because of course it isn't. 
In 2006, Beggs appealed his conviction, with his lawyers citing nine grounds for appeal, including that sensational news coverage um, they claimed had influenced the trial, but the appeals court refused to release him on bail and ultimately upheld the original conviction and Beggs remained in prison. According to a BBC article, he was also awarded compensation because his appeal took so long to be processed and heard in court. Oh, sure. Let that sink in. (laughs) A convicted murderer was given money because his appeal, which upheld the original conviction that he's a murderer, took a while, took a long time. Cool. Yeah. Love and of course, that's not the end of it either. There's more. Why not? Let's add some more. Um, in 2013, Beggs launched a complaint against the Scottish Information Commissioner, Rosemary Agnew, who, whom he claimed acted illegally over the handling of a freedom of information application he made from prison in 2013. But the claim was thrown out. Uh, Beggs has quite the reputation for claiming that he's been badly treated in prison. Uh, In 2015, Beggs claimed that the Scottish Prison Service also acted illegally in opening his mail before giving it to him, which pretty sure everyone knows that's what happens in jail. Yeah, I have thoughts on this. I'm going to let you get to the end before I jump in. Um. Beggs won this case because the judge said that under Article 8 of the European Convention on Human Rights, an individual is supposed to have the right of respect for their private and family life and their home and correspondence, and uh, said that the Scottish Prison Service had not followed their own guidelines when it came to processing inmates' mail. Yeah, I always thought that's what happened in prison. Your mail is checked. Because you could be planning an escape. You could be yeah. conducting illegal activities from, you know, from prison, which we know does happen. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that having your mail checked was just part and parcel of being in prison. Yeah. Well, I guess maybe it's a a U.S. thing. More no, I always thought it was a, a British thing as well. But I wonder if... It's like, you know, like certain like official documentation is like waved through because it's Hi. Obviously there's... Pod Dog disagrees. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know if it's maybe like official like correspondence from, you know, the, the wider prison service, um various government bodies or things like that. I wonder if certain things are supposed to just be waved through. If yeah. they've got like the official stamps and return address and everything on the envelope, as most of them do. So I don't know. I couldn't find any more because there's a lot of big sensational headlines about him launching these various different, you know, claims and trying to sue various bodies, and then there's no follow up on them. Uh-huh. In 2019, Beggs sued Edinburgh City Council for failure to disclose what information it holds about him. And he also made a second bid to have a laptop in his cell, which I didn't 
know that prisoners could have. I know that some have access to computers. To computers, but... But I didn't know that they could have their own laptop. I suppose it'd be limited as to what they can do on it. But he was an IT technician who was studying for PhD in computing, so... (laughs) He probably knew how to do some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. According to the Daily Record... Tory uh, MSP Liam Kerr said that it was clear that Beggs was just trying to be as much of a nuisance as possible to the justice system and the taxpayer. As the case against Edinburgh City Council was expected to cost hundreds of thousands of pounds to defend. Good lord. Um, Liam Kerr also said that these seem little more than the actions of an unrepentant and cynical individual. But again, we couldn't find any follow-up as to what happened with these legal challenges. Last summer, uh, so 2020, uh, Beggs was denied funds from the Scottish Legal Aid Board, uh, which would have allowed him to sue Police Scotland. Beggs claims that Scottish police hold information which would prove he is the victim of a miscarriage of justice. He has appealed four times for funds to sue the police and have this information made public, but each time he has failed. <laughs> I find it very interesting. It's maybe to do with the legal wording. Mm-hmm. It's always victim of a miscarriage of justice, not prove that he's innocent. Yeah, no, it's, it's like he's it's, not it, saying, I didn't do this. He's just saying, oh yeah, the police, they 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 did me dirty. Yeah. It's, it could be just like the legal legalese. Yeah. way and all that like how it's you know properly worded but i just find that very interesting uh william beggs remains in prison in scotland despite his best efforts yeah i mean he would have been eligible for parole over a year ago mm-hmm. because it's a uh, minimum, minimum of 20 years minimum of 20 but he was obviously in detention from when he handed himself in of, well, when he surrendered himself in Amsterdam, which was dece- like end of December t- uh, 1999. So, so yeah, uh, late 2019, he was eligible for parole. It was obviously refused. Mm-hmm. And that is the case of William Beggs, serial killer in the making. Oh, this guy's a jackass. Yeah. Like, so I've heard of the limbs in the lock, like, nomenclature around this case, this guy. Mm. And I'd heard his name before a couple times, William Biggs. But yeah, it just sucks so bad that they had him in 1987. Yeah. And he was supposed to be there. Like, he was supposed to stay there. Yeah, and that's 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 one of the obviously all of it is really tragic. But if if he hadn't been released in nineteen eighty nine, Barry Wallace would probably still be alive. Yeah, and and possibly many many other yeah. Men. Like that's the thing too that like is fascinating to me because it's like they think they've linked what three more cases potentially. Uh, three in scotland but they found the blood of 17 yes people like that's a lot of people yeah and that's not good and all just like 
I don't know. Like he's, if he actually killed 17 people or 17 more people or whatever, like that's a lot of people and a lot of getting away and just flying under the radar, which is yeah. kind of horrifying. Yeah. Especially when, well, I was going to say, especially when you consider he'd already been convicted of costs, that was quashed, wasn't it? So, yeah, but then he also had served time for yeah. assault, right? Yeah. So, like, he was on law enforcement radar. Like, he should have been on, yeah. you know. But, alas, here we are. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, it is really, it's all just very, very tragic because, you say, they had him in 1987. He was convicted and it was just that mistake of you know the jury knowing about his prior prior attacks yeah but like i said they were all alleged yeah he wasn't convicted for any of these so i can't understand from a legal point of view where that comes from yeah yeah and obviously with hindsight it's very easy to say you know well clearly that was the biggest fuck up they made but shit happens so they say from a legal standpoint you can see why that decision was taken Mm -hmm. as a general member of the public (laughs) fucking hell a little more baffling yeah um yeah and there's not a lot about barry oldham's case even Mm. around here yeah which is a shame and in a lot of the uh a lot of the sources about the murder of Barry Wallace, Barry Oldham is just kind of a bit of a footnote, like, oh he was killed in the eighties, but he was released on a technicality. Well, that's not helpful. Yeah. That's again reducing someone to a footnote in their own murder. Yeah. Like just because the conviction was overturned. And it, I think it is important to note that, like, he was convicted. Yes. Even with that overturned conviction, you're still talking about this man has been murdered and this other man probably did it based on yeah. the evidence. And so, like, it's it sucks to have it out in the world as just like, well, he was murdered, but then the guy got out, so, like, it doesn't matter. Because that's not true. It yeah. does matter. Yeah, that's the thing. Because it's not like it's not like it's an unsolved murder. They know who did it and yeah. they know who was convicted. It's just that the conviction was overturned. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and all the sort of legal challenges and everything is he's tried to make while he's been in prison just smacks of arrogance. Oh of, yeah, I'm smarter than everyone else. Yeah, for sure. You so say obviously he was denied parole because supposedly for parole you are supposed to admit guilt for a start show remorse and address your behavior through therapy and counseling and what have you mm-hmm. Beggs has done none of that he's gone out of his way at every opportunity to be a nuisance yeah exactly um but that being said we did 
a Patreon episode was on uh, Helen's Law, which was on the murder of Helen McCourt, and her murder was granted parole last year, and he didn't do any of those things either, so... Yeah. No, I mean, just from everything, he just seems like a narcissist, like, attention-seeking, like, Mm. jerk. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But do you know what's also interesting is, maybe it's because it also happens around Glasgow, but very kind of almost Peter Tobin-esque. Oh, yeah, for sure. With the whole constantly on the move mm-hmm. you know like i said working in different places and let's say there's 17 unsolved murders that he potentially might be connected to mm-hmm. um like i said there's been no charges brought against him for any of these others i suspect there might be if it looks like his if it looks like he might may be get paroled. approved for parole yeah but i can also so from a from a point of view of the Crown Prosecution Service, I don't agree with it, but I can see why he's already in prison on a life sentence. I can see why they don't want to take that expense on these what are going to be Other massive cold case undertakings. Yeah. Um, but I say if it looks like his parole will get approved at any time, I could see them going for charges on one of them if they can prove it. Because mm. he shouldn't be. Allowed out. He's clearly a danger to society. Yeah, and and clearly actively trying to get back out into society. Yeah, through you know, not not the repentant channels. He was out less than two years before he attacked the man in who we met in the gay club in Glasgow and yeah. slashed him with a razor. So that was less than two years. He was back out. He was out again in 1994. Uh, Barry Wallace was murdered in 1999. Yeah. Five years. I mean, and that's the thing. Like, we don't know what happened in that that no. five-year span. Like, it could be a lot of other victims, whether murder victims or, or you know, assault victims or whatever. But, like... Um, but there's at least two known murder victims and one known serious assault. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if if more charges come up, um, yeah, over the next couple of years. Which, if they do, we'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, do an update. Um, um, and and what better way to be prepared for for such an update if it were to occur than to subscribe to this here podcast that you're listening to right this very second? We hope you're still listening. Please be still listening. Um. And yeah, so super easy. You just press a button, you press subscribe and, and, and all our episodes get delivered to you or you get notified when they come out. But yeah. So we would love it if you subscribed. Um, it helps us a lot. And we would also super duper love it if you could leave us uh, a rating and a review, especially on Apple podcasts. Um, but also, you know, on on your podcast app of choice or if your app doesn't have that capability maybe just like send the show to a friend or two that you think might like it because that's a huge way you can rate and review on facebook on the facebook page as well yeah you can do that too um you could just 
like stand on your roof and 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 yell out for like a half an hour every day like i i really like this podcast you guys you should check it out like you might get arrested for that but like hopefully not so i don't know if it's your own roof and you're not close to anyone else i think that's okay okay yeah so do that i mean maybe not that but like definitely the first couple things um yeah so well taylor calms down if you would like to go a step further you can support us with some cash uh which we would love very very much if you have any spare money you can sign up as a patron so go to patreon.com forward slash square mile of murder the link is in the episode description and you sign up you uh, tier start from one pound or one dollar a month where you get all episodes a day early for two pound or two dollars and up you get episodes a day early you get some cool merch which you can't buy anywhere Mm -hmm. Um, and you get a bonus episode five pounds and up you get two episodes and the merch and everything else and ten pound or ten dollars and up you get three bonus episodes every month yeah and all the other good stuff yeah so so much of us just right in your ear holes because why wouldn't you want that (laughs) yeah you also get a a shout out on the show when you sign up so if you so desire to hear us try to pronounce your name whatever it may be uh yeah you can do that too yeah uh we also have a merch shop uh should you wish to have square mile of murder emblazoned across your chest or your back or whatever mm-hmm. we've got hoodies t-shirts there's a face mask wall art mm-hmm. phone cases tote bags mugs get it all oh mugs yeah. yeah mugs but they're really cool and yeah so the link is in the episode description it'll be on our website social media i'm not going to read it out because it's really long yeah um but yeah yeah, and all the money that we make through Patreon and from the merch all goes back into the podcast. Yes, that was pay for everything we need. Yeah, and and any fun stuff that we may wanna wanna do in the future, or any any fun stuff that you guys might want us to do. So you know, yeah. So so that's us. Um, hope you like the episode, and we will be back uh, later this week with our third bonus episode of the month for patreon um we're covering art forgery scandal um and we'll be back next week with another listener suggested episode oh yeah i was trying to think i've forgotten which one we would do next week yeah. yeah so so i'm excited for that one yeah me too uh thank you everyone for listening so we'll be back soon uh Bye. Thanks. Bye. The dog says goodbye too.